Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geomologist Presents. I have Stefan Surratt, the owner of Dragon Peak Publishing. You may have seen recent Kickstarters uh, that he'll talk about, Merchants of the Multiverse and Mysteries of the Multiverse, and he's also written the first third-party modules for the latest incarnation of Weird West craziness, which is which are called, actually, it's one tome. It's called um, The Brimstone Cradle and the Hills That Hunger. And that is coming out uh, soon as well. Is that correct? Yeah. As, as soon as Weird Frontiers is available to the general public, this will be too. Well, that's, that's great. Um, well, thank you for, um, for coming on the show. And hopefully we get to talk about Weird West, Regular West, and uh, a lot of your projects. So uh, tell me about Dragon Peak Publishing. I mentioned a couple of things that they got there on the drive-thru and mysteries, which uh, you know, I can see behind you. Yeah. It's a highlight of the art, which is pretty cool. Is that um, so? Is it D- is it DCC product? Uh, Mutant Crawl Classics. Oh, so, Mutant but Crawl Classics, can... right? So it's got that aesthetic. Mm-hmm. We all love the, that kind of cartoonish art. That something crazy is going on. Pushes the Gonzo nature of of MCC DCC. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Weird Frontier is a little more serious, but we can talk about that too. So anyway, Stefan. Stefan, right? Stefan, I'm good either way, honestly. (laughs) I don't know why I'm making you European. Anyway, Stefan, thank you for coming on the show. Tell us a bit about yourself. Like, how did you get into the hobby? Uh, I mean, I got into it through, uh, you know, I've been gaming for a little bit more than 15 years now. Uh, I'm I'm a younger guy for, you know, we have very young people, very old people in this hobby. I started out really with with video games. And the the one that turned me was... uh, and got with where there's the straight through line is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic because folks who don't know that game, um, the mechanics of that game it's just exactly third edition D and D. It's like a one to one. It's exactly it. So played that. A buddy went, "Hey, so this is actually Dungeons and Dragons." And we just didn't know. And I went, "Oh, well, we both love this game." 3.5 came out like right around that time. And that meant all the third edition stuff was on big discounted sales. Uh, so our, our broke butts could actually get into D and D that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, he got the, the third edition box set. I played Lydia, the halfling rogue. That was my, my first PC. I still remember the miniature. Though I haven't seen that miniature in ages. Um, mm. He lost it. And uh, I got trapped behind a magic mirror for all of eternity. So that's how my first game went. I walked home that night, and, but I couldn't stop thinking about how I wanted to like do it again, but different. Yeah. Live. Yeah. Was that so? Was that based on like a saving throw and you failed it, and that's what happened? No. Or was uh, it more no. like a story happened and you made the wrong decision? That's just so curious. Like, yeah, it was just a bad decision. There's like a lady on the other side of a magic mirror. She mm-hmm. couldn't get out. And I thought, well, maybe if I go in, but like I don't go all the way in, you know, I keep like a handout, someone can pull me out. And I don't think it was a saving throw. I think it just, you know, it probably should have been. Maybe it just wasn't written well. Um to uh it's been a while, but my remembering a lot of the the third and three point five edition adventure stuff wasn't written that well. But uh I just got stuck on the other side in, in that game at least. It was just a bad decision. Oh, interesting. So, so it was a published adventure or something your buddy? Yeah. Oh, no, it was, it was the box set for third oh, edition. Wow. 
So. Yeah, I remember Sunless Citadel also had that like make the choice and die type of stuff too. If you make and it's not a saving throw, you just make the the wrong choice and or yeah. do things at the wrong time, honestly, and and uh, you just die. And maybe that was, I mean, that Sunless Citadel before it got revised for three point five, and then now mm. it's in a five E tone. It's a five E collection of adventures, but yeah, that that had that maybe. Maybe early testing and no, I don't know. That's really interesting. Uh, so that uh, that kind of in a way bucks the claim that you know, from three point oh, Wizards of the Coast D and D is a uh, you know, it's sort of a uh, you can't die in that. It's not as right. There's no like, well, but there were. I think in the early adventures there were those types of things. Anyway, it was definitely a lot easier. Observation three point five. I don't know. I but yeah. Since then I DM'd a lot of stuff. I've you know run a lot of adventures i used a lot of the, the classic modules today stuff uh, mm-hmm. that folks can find on dm's guild because i wanted to run like temple of elemental evil before, right before goodman games put out their big adaptation of it i found like other much more compact adaptations for that and a lot of other stuff ran a bunch of old school stuff in 5e and did like a level 1 to 20 campaign just doing that towards the end it became a lot more homebrew and I found out about Dungeon Crawl Classics and started adapting some stuff. So, like, I adapted an eighth-level uh, DCC adventure, Colossus Arise, for like a fifteenth five level five E group, which hmm. uh, it went pretty well. I think just because I had a good understanding of how to threaten my players at that point. Um, yeah. but it was all just adjusting things hundred percent on the fly, but. Uh, it it became one of those things like I DM'd that campaign for like a couple years. And before that I DM'd like a 3.5 campaign for like almost a couple of years. And after doing those for that long, I was like, all right, I know how the sausage just made and I've made the sausage. I don't want any more sausage. Um, <laughs> I found out about dungeon crawl classics and just like head first dived into that because it fixed a lot of, fantasy like magic just being a science you can predict every time it fixed boring warriors with the mighty deeds mechanic and uh and that's where i've been ever since with uh with some other stuff like i'm, I'm not straight like i love call of Cthulhu and some other things i'm mm-hmm. gonna be at a convention try out like four new systems uh soon but uh my 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 main love is uh dungeon crawl classics yeah that's gonna be my next question why dcc you mentioned a couple things and mighty deeds from the fighter and then the unpredictability of magic. And I think that to me is what is the big mm. draw of that, even though it is based on sort of the 3.0, 3.5, you know, mm-hmm. it's the, the spine of it, the chassis of it, but then it has all these little things that change it. And I would say, I don't know that the term gonzo is thrown around. Is that insulting to you? I, I, I don't think I like it's that ins- craziness, but I don't, I, lo- I love it. Yeah. I, I don't think it's, I mean, some people don't want that, wildness and i'll tell them you know if you don't want that wildness but you love the system play the the chain coffin shutter mountain stuff which is like americana folklore stuff and it's like it's still very fantastical in sword and sorcery but it's set in yeah like appalachian americana folklore or go play the lankmar stuff which is mm-hmm. like much more down to earth in general and you know and you don't have clerics or demi-humans there mm-hmm. either yeah, that's interesting. So it's human focused, but um, but it still has the, the magic system, right? You still have uh, yeah. to roll to roll to see what happens, and mm-hmm. and that, that's a that's a big thing. I, I like 
I enjoy the luck mechanic. Um, not really, not as codified a skill system and you know, the GM and the player can kind of discuss, you know, what we're going to use, what, you know, attribute we're going to use to, uh, to, to hit the, you know, to try to attempt to hit the DC, the target number for success. So I, I like that a lot. I, I like DCC a lot. And I, and I think that, Here's something uh, that I do ask a lot of DCC folks: so funnel versus level. Um, I prefer the level ones. Um, yep. I, I mean, I love the funnels too, but um, the funnels—they're like a sub game to the real game. And right, but you see a lot of funnels at conventions. So yeah. Why do you think that is? Is that... I I think it's just because it's like you don't players don't need to know a thing about the system mm. um really it you know because you don't have to worry about class features so it's just dead simple the only complication is you're probably controlling four different characters but um you're gonna have some deaths and you there won't be four for very long right right yeah so um all right so so you played a lot you really fell in love with gcc so what sparked that sort of transition from just a, a player to now running a gaming company authoring having successful kickstarters well i you know i've been as i mentioned uh, i've been running like a lot of homebrew and like adapting published stuff you know when you adapt published material i think you should always tweak it um uh just to best fit your group so i've been doing that kind of stuff on my own for a long time and i thought about like uh back when watsy was still doing like uh their online dragon magazine. I, I remember thinking about submitting stuff for that. I remember reading like the rules where it's like, even if they don't like your thing, they still get to own your thing basically. Right, so I never did anything with that. I was also a lot younger, of course. And, um, you know, I had a lot of that lack of confidence that uh, I think a lot of folks have uh, an issue with uh, when they're, they're younger. Um, but the DCC community was just, it's a very welcoming community. Everyone just kind of wants, if you say you have an idea for something, people are so encouraging and say, yeah, work on that. What are you thinking? Like they'll, uh, you can just ask and people will be very willing to like help you out if they've done stuff or people have done that for me. I've done that for other people. And there's um, community publications like the Gong Farmers Almanac. And there's also just like the big zine community for, yeah, hey, do something that's like, you know, a 20 page long and it's in its half page size. So it's like, you know, if you write 10,000 words, you're going to have a 48 page long thing. You can just write like 5,000 and, and, you know, have a few nice pictures. It'll be like 24 pages long and that's still plenty long. So it's still just like the, the community, the vibe from the community um makes the like the barrier to entry feel super low yeah that's really cool i mean it, i guess that encourages me because like in a way that's how we sort of interacted we didn't i don't think we met at north texas rpg con but we interacted definitely with the same people i yeah. ran a weird frontiers game and then i guess you there's a lot of weird that was crazy a lot of weird frontiers games were run at this past north texas rpg con i think everyone's very excited and i know that that uh, dave uh dave Beatty, of Stiff Whiskers Press, he wanted to have the book out by then, but you know things happen, and and uh, he he did bring a really cool looking uh, advanced copy, and uh, you know 
it was really fun to run and really fun to play. And I guess that's how you contacted me to talk about this and, and maybe hopefully get me over that that hump. And I, you, know, you reached out to me, so that's kind of cool. That you know, like that's kind of proof there that DCC, MCC, Weird Frontiers community kind of reaches out to people, hears about a good idea, and hey, let's talk about it. Let's get this. Uh, let's get this thing going. Let's make that transition. That's definitely yeah. very encouraging for me. I've been running games forever, um, probably since the late 70s, early 80s, and, and have tried a few times to, like, I, I know I made a submission a long time ago to Dungeon, and it just, school just got the better of me, and it never, it never hmm. came to fulfillment, you know, it's kind of younger, had other priorities, but um, I don't know, maybe it'd be, it'd be great to do that, so, so, let, so that's a good, let's talk about your products first, and then we'll jump into Weird Frontiers eventually, I'm sure, so tell me about the, the multiverse products. Yeah, so the I made those for Mutant Crawl Classics. Um, that came out of uh, the the first one, Merchants of the Multiverse. Was uh, I had a bunch of weird artifacts in and in Mutant Crawl Classics. You know, it's the it's like thousands of years past the post apocalypse. No one even remembers what or what of a variety of things caused the apocalypse. And it's a uh, depending on where you are and what you like your own game to be like it can be very like we don't know what agriculture is anymore or it can be like yeah we've we got agriculture we have livestock or yes we're living in the ruins of old so there's like a lot of variety of your post-apocalypse but i had made like one really weird merchant um an equation for trading um and some weird more weird artifacts that you know the book the core book for that has plenty but i made more because um in my home game i had bcc characters some interplanar mishaps occur they're in the post-apocalypse and they've got all this gold and nothing to do with it because it's not a gold-based economy so i but you know gold is good for you know uh repairing semiconductors and stuff like that i don't know so but uh i came up with a little and and in the MCC core rulebook, it also at one point is like no one would ever trade artifacts; they're too valuable. I'm like, well, that doesn't. Everything has a price. That doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. If you uh, if you have two of something and I have two of something, neither of us need two. We'll probably trade if it's mutually beneficial. So yeah, I made a, a little thing for that. I expanded on it. I worked with uh, a uh, an artist who also did the the adventure in, in Merchants of the Multiverse and. Uh, we did that for Zine Quest a couple of years ago, uh, and I continued on it this year. Um, this uh, I don't know when this is going to drop, but um, it Mysteries of the Multiverse is the latest one. It just backers have all got well, almost all gotten it. Um, the folks in Canada and the UK, I don't think they've gotten it quite yet, but they're they're soon, and uh, and it'll be generally available on like Drive Through RPG and the. Goodman Games store and a couple other spots, uh, Exalted Funeral also, um, before probably like the end of August um, 2022, or around then at least. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's cool. So so that's, but that's, yeah, you said you started, speaking of ZineQuest, you said you did the Merchants of the Multiverse for mm-hmm. ZineQuest. Are you participating in ZineQuest uh, this year? I'm not. I might do something for the one in February. I mean, they, they were Kickstarter kind of didn't quite nail their their timing uh, their their execution of zine quest uh in 2022 i might be back for 2023 but uh 
we'll see. I've uh, if if you look at um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but Ian Usum or Usum, um, he's done some mothership products, and he is uh, he's got a really good analytical mind. He's collected a lot of data about um, when they did not Kickstarter specifically, but like just the this kind of community, this industry. Um, they did Zine Month uh, back in February this year. And he collected a lot of like really good data. Uh, and one of the interesting things in there that I would have never guessed is um, he compared their Zine Month thing to Zine Quest the year before and also like not produced. It was like, oh, doing your thing during Zine Quest doesn't actually appear to have a significant boost to your overall like funding levels. Like, you know, if you have a good product, you're probably going to do just as well outside of it as you would in it. Oh, okay. So it's not, yeah, there's no significant benefit to the community based. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's unfortunate. Uh, maybe it'll improve, but so what do you, are you working on anything now then? Yeah, I've got, um, I, I don't have like a set release schedule. I just have things that I feel like working on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I've got like a couple pamphlet adventure or actually like, well, it was probably up to four pamphlet adventures. I've done two already for Primal Quest, um, which is a whole other system like Stone and Sorcery by Diogo Nogueira, which mm -hmm. I find, I found the setting really intriguing, really liked it. Um, I've also got like several DCC and MCC and Weird Frontiers things. I'm kind of working. I'm, I'm running a play test of, of Weird Frontiers uh, adventure. First one for this. So we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm doing that um, this Sunday night. The working title for that is Big Trouble for a Little Blood, which the inspiration is uh, uh, the fact that the movie Big Trouble for Little China started out its life as a screenplay as a Western. Oh yeah, totally makes sense. So are you gonna set it in like Chinatown, San Francisco, or exactly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds really cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So we'll, we're gonna talk about Weird for Tears now, everyone. So <laughs> I I really liked it. I've you know, since I've been you know looking at it uh, from the the early incarnations of it. You know what, what David Beatty had put up before, and I really enjoy Weird West. I run and played. Uh, Deadlands, for example, I like the Call of Cthulhu. Uh, we won't say the name because it's still, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but Call of Cthulhu has a, a weird West setting, and uh, I, I really enjoyed a Weird Frontiers. Like when he first came out with the Quick Start, which was yeah. huge, right? Like a hundred page, yeah, hundred like, page Quick Start edition. It was like, oh my gosh, I thought it'd be like yeah. the DCC one, which is like you know. 48 pages with two adventures in there. Yeah, it was enormous, though. Yeah, I think it is It is bigger than the DCC book, by the way. Yeah, I, it's like three times as bigger. Or right. the, so, the quick start. Did yeah. So it was, it was very compelling. I mean, I, I, I think the final product is even more exciting to me. It has like 12 different character classes you can play, mm -hmm. each very evocative. All of them are, you know, in a way it reminds you of like RuneQuest, where all the characters are magic, how the characters use magic, you know? So I kind of yeah. like that they all have some sort of mechanic where they can, you know, tap into something uh, esoteric and, you know, what, you know, uh, from the luchador to the, uh, the, the ghost, the ghost talk, the ghost speaker, uh, the, uh, the Calavera Calavera. Yeah. So, 
So I think it's, it's pretty neat. Um, so how did you get into Weird Frontiers then? Or, or what was the inspiration um, for, for your products? Again, it's the Brimstone Cradle and the Hills That Hunger. Yeah. So and, um, it was, I, saw, I saw the Kickstarter for it. I immediately was like, yes, I want this. I've much the same as you. I've played a lot of weird, you know, weird Western stuff um, throughout my, you know, gamer life. Um, I'm also from Texas. I grew up in a really small town that became not a small town as I got older. But mm-hmm. when I was, you know, some of my early memories are me attempting to lasso like a stick I put in the yard um, and hearing the pig street because the old lady who lived from me across the street had pigs in her backyard that uh she just liked her pigs um and she kept them they were like her pets so it that and you know the closest mcdonald's was nearly an hour drive away so like small little town um do you mind you do you mind sharing what town you're from i'm actually i live in texas too oh okay i'm I'm, i grew up in frisco texas oh frisco wow Yeah, yeah so near that's near Dallas, Fort Worth mm-hmm. area. Yeah. So Frisco. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Not small anymore, but it, no, it's uh, not. It sure no, I mean, it's, yeah. It's the concrete, concrete yeah. jungle between Dallas, Fort Worth. But yeah, it's a, uh, that's crazy. So, so yeah, I think, you know, Texas is definitely, you know, we have that stereotype that, you know, we're cowboys and 10 gallon hats and boots and, you know, spurs and belt, big belt buckles and, yeah, it's almost a natural fit if you're from Texas or the Southwest, mm-hmm. um, you know, all, all the way up through the, the more Southern Great Plains states that you you have the sort of cowboy weird West feel. Although, you know, right, you could go weird weird West could take place or old West type games can take place anywhere from from the Canadian border on on down, right? So absolutely, yeah. Right, shoot, even if you, <laughs> I mean, if uh, if you count uh, Butch Sundance. Butch Castle and the Sundance Kid is a Western. That takes yeah. place in South America. So Absolutely. a lot of it does for the whole adventures, escapades. So yeah, it's a really, I think it's a really neat genre. So, so tell me about like the development of your product. Uh, yeah, so I, I think I started, I, yeah, I started writing The Hills That Hunger first. And I initially was calling that um, Raiders on a Ruthless Ridge. Because if you kind of look at the structure of it, it, it is like I was trying to teach myself how to write a good adventure. And I was looking at the structure of the DCC adventure, Sailors on a Starless Sea. So you can, while having played that is not going to help you one bit and like being able to guess what's coming next, um, you can maybe see some of the like uh, structural similarities in the like, okay, we have, you are here and like here are kind of your progression options and here's the things in the middle. Um, and I started writing that and honestly, I wrote it and like, didn't really touch it for like six months. Um, I did like a couple play tests and, um, uh, my wife was pregnant at the time. So life was just super busy. Um, and, uh, and just, you know, pregnancy and COVID and working a lot. And, uh, so it was just a busy time. And the other one, uh, the brimstone cradle because it's, it's the Brimstone Cradle and the Hills of Hunger, because it's two adventures. They're just, you know, packaged together. Mm-hmm. Both, you know, you can run them in, you know. Are they related? About a, unrelated adventures. So they mm-hmm. can, what, Hills That Hunger um, can either be a good funnel or it can be a good first level adventure. I play test it as both. It works well as both. Um, 
it's a, it's a pretty mean adventure. I, I won't lie about that. It's, it's probably on the more difficult side, but, uh, I've, uh, I didn't, I only had a couple TPKs. Um, and I, and I, I tweaked it down a little bit each time, uh, also kind of going, well, how smart did they play? You know, not, but it's still, you know, it's a mean one. Uh, and then the, uh, but that one is the inspiration, the thematic inspiration for what the adventure is, is kind of um, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, um, yeah. I, get, I feel like I get that from the horror. title. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, so, so it's curious that you... Uh, yeah, so it's curious that you did... So in the product, mm-hmm. do you have rules for like the funnel and the first level or, uh, you know... I, it, explanation how you do both because on because that's how i conceived uh the the thing i'm working on which i know mm-hmm. some of my li- my listeners know about it so i'm not worried about you know what it's called it's ca- i was calling it for a few coppers more and it's inspired by where my dad grew up which is southwestern new mexico uh, there's an old copper mine that now has an open pit uranium mine but there's an old <laughs> copper mine that was out there um you know there's a the uh Mimbrianos tribe that uh our family history. We all had a we all had a, like a legend that we were related to the Mimbrianos, uh, Mangas Coloradas, and you know who's who is the um, the father-in-law of Cochise. So more uh, okay. Apache tribes of Lipan or or north you know North Mexican Apache tribe, but Mimbrianos being one of them. But uh, my uncle actually found out that we were we are related. And my great grandmother uh, was half Mimbrianos. So so it's really cool, and it, you know it's inspired by some of the the things out there and and i mean like texas chainsaw masculine from texas so yeah so that's pretty cool but but i did play test it as a funnel before and then I, at north texas i did it as a first level adventure so i'm just curious if you that's why i'm asking i'm curious uh if you had both options explain how to do either option or does it matter i mean for i think it so it depends how you write it um there's no one answer um but in in what i did i didn't really i didn't have anything in there for doing it different one way or the other. Um, there's really just a couple points in there where I basically are there near the beginning. There's one point where I just basically say, Hey, if they're struggling, um, play the enemies a little dumber. And if they're doing really well, play them a little smarter. And then they're a little deeper in the text. I like, there's a couple specific parts where I mentioned that and, well, one where I mentioned that and another near the end where I, you know, there's, let's just uh, not really spoilers. You might imagine there's kind of a big, horrible monster at some point in there, perhaps near a climactic area, uh, suitably so. Um, and I put some advice in there of like, hey, if they're doing terribly, maybe they should run away and try to use the environment to their advantage. And if you really want to, you can suggest that. Here's a few, you know, good ways that they maybe they can't defeat the monster but maybe they can you know make it so that it's not an issue for them anymore that they trap the monster at least um so nothing mechanically changed but it's it's just advice for like how the judge can alter how they use the text well that's really cool yeah so and then the other one the other brimstone cradles mm-hmm. is inspired by what or very so different, I guess. Very different. So the Hills That Hunger is like a more, it's more a traditional adventure in that it is, it's more like a dungeon crawl. 
then then it's not. Um, the Brimstone Cradle is like an event based thing. It is uh, takes place Christmas morning. We hour, you know, there's a basically. I just say put them on the road. They're on the road. You know, if it's a one shot, they're on the road coming to visit family for Christmas. But they haven't quite made it to the town they're hoping to get to. Um, and you know, if it's not a one shot, if it's part of a campaign, you just try to work it in as best you can for your group. Um, cause we're all going to do that anyway. Um, but it's, we are Christmas morning. You haven't quite made it to town. Horrible blizzard starts happening. You guys are going to get snowed in. If you don't break camp, you are going, trying to get to town and, uh, you smell some smoke. There's a cabin on the top of a hill nearby and you hear a blood curdling scream up there. Everyone has always gone to investigate it. There's some stuff in there for if PCs want to ignore this entirely or after they investigate it, if they just want to leave. Um, but no one has ever done that because what it turns into is a you're trapped in a cabin for the rest of the night adventure. Um, it is in, more inspired by stuff like Evil Dead where, you know, it's just the cabin, basically. And people I found in playtesting, people love that. They love that. Like, we have to stay here. We have to, and uh, we have to stay here until dawn. Dawn will be safe because it's you get in there and there's a little bit of like you don't quite know what's happening at first. There's people crouched over a woman. She's on a bed. She's screaming. Either you know whatever happens, the woman is giving birth. She gives birth to a little boy. Christmas Day, early hours, and she's immediately dragged to hell by demons. And it's oh, the demons want the baby too. Uh, but uh, she wasn't holding the baby at the time. The doctor was. So the demons didn't immediately get the baby. So protect that baby until dawn. And it's, and it's a very event-based thing. If this happens, have a little breather, this happens. And I tried to structure that more on that, like the horror movie pacing of like, have that action scene, raise the tension, let, the, let everyone breathe, calm down for a minute, make some plans, reinforce the, the doors or board up the windows, do something like that and have some more spooky nonsense happen and gradually ramp things up until dawn while they also have time to figure out the mystery of why this is all happening in the first place. Cool. So it seems like it has like a um, dusk till dawn, hateful eight type of vibe. A little bit. I was uh, in there. I put in some, some references. I think I put in, uh, I think I put in two Sam Raimi movies. I think I put in evil dead two and sure. Also yeah. Me to hell. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Okay. I forget what the third reference I put in was, um, but the, the real life thing I did is I started writing that in December while my wife was pregnant. Cause I was just, I was watching horror movies and around Christmas time and going and looking at my pregnant wife and going, um, and man, I got an idea for something. This, uh, did you this dedicate is it to her? nightmarish. Did you I, dedicate yeah, she it to a, yeah, she's got a, a big thank you in there. Interesting. Does she cool yeah. with that? She was cool. I talked to her. Okay. About it. She was cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's neat how, uh, you know, real life inspiration and how the mind works and, and to get to, to that, uh, to that point. So, um, yeah, I guess he said that you have some, some projects and, you know, some irons in the fire, some projects that might be coming out. Um, so how did, how did it work? Right. Uh, so as a third party with, uh, with stiff whiskers, with the uh, weird frontiers. 
So um, Dave made it really easy. I was the first one to approach him about this. and He was excited about that. Um, he had to talk to Joseph Goodman from Goodman Games because he didn't have a third-party license yet. In, in the end, he basically got the DCC one and just replaced Goodman Games with Stiff Whiskers, etc. cetera. Um, so I had to technically, that's, it's why it has the compatibility logo for DCC and also Weird Frontiers because mm. I had to sign the third-party license for both of them and make it compatible with both, which really wasn't any harder than just doing it for one and neither of them are asking take a cut so i mean it's uh, in the end it, it was an easy thing now dave has the, the third party license ready to go for whoever else wants it and i hope there'll That's be great. more because i've played in a couple other people's protests and i can think of one the this guy john watson who uh uh i he was in i played at a i think lone star game expo a few years mm. ago which is uh in grapevine texas it's actually coming up um, in a couple of months, but uh, he had a weird frontiers adventure called Hell Train, and it was so much fun. But I haven't, I haven't heard peep about that since. Hmm. I don't want it to get published. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. Is that, uh, and and maybe, and this is what's inspiring me is like both oh, the times that I've run it, a few times I've run it, it's always different, and I think that's what's so cool to me in having something that you think about and you feel like it's going to go this way, but what players do you know, makes it so unique. And, and I think that's, a, to me, has always been the fascination about role-playing games is, right, you have a script, but, you know, the it's going to be, it's like, it's going to yeah. be different every time, right? You know, with, so, you know, in, in, the, in one case, I got into like a fire, the players got into a firefight with other prospectors. And in another case, players really were very, Hyper focused on one on something something in the landscape and <laughs> and uh, were able to avoid a lot of that conflict and found found a really co- I thought a very cool resolution um, and sometimes sometimes they they ignore some of the NPCs that are throughout and sometimes mm-hmm. they engage with them I thought that's this is so kind of neat you know to to do that we had a we had it was fun and I and I think Weird Frontiers what I like about it the most I think so far is that the 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 class options make it super cool yeah right so that's, a, that, that's one of the things i had to like really consider because like the class i started writing this both them when like it was still in the bootleg stuff and then the mm-hmm. classes all changed yeah bit. they changed a bit yeah they changed a bit so i had to like go back and like rewrite some stuff and just go okay i want to make sure that there's like options for some of the classes to use their special class features i don't want mm. it to feel like your stuff is forgotten about when it would make sense so i had to like go in there and go okay uh, all right let's have a spirit here and maybe one of the people with the the you know spirit talking or they can go into the the near you know they can do that and, okay mm-hmm. let me try to go here so i had to I, yeah some of them it's easy the luchador you know you always get the opportunity to you know suplex somebody but uh, yeah 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 it was good again we have it was fun we had i, I think i think we had a I, we had like a gambler, you know, got to do card stuff. You know, we had a, an old, old timey, old, a Tommy knocker who was in the war, you know, so it was, it was good. It was good. And of course we had, oh, someone always picks a lucha bug. Is that, have you seen that? Does someone I, always and with me, someone is always picking the hellbilly. Luchador is oh, hellbilly. often enough there, but that it's every single time with That's me, funny. except I think once someone has chosen the hellbilly. That's a jug band bard guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's what I, that's the way I, I don't, it's, it's a really cool i mean it's what i mean these, these characters are very uh character class are very evocative uh, all right so so uh stefan um what do you do besides gaming uh i uh besides gaming i i try to take care of you know just normal life stuff i, was, I, I guess i was asking I was, like hobbies outside yeah. of the, outside of this big I mean, it's a big hobby i agree yeah I'm sure we have I, we all have shelves of of stuff yeah we hopefully we'll get to one of these days usually we don't but i, I mean i try to do some reading you know uh, i like a, a lot of the appendix n type books um yeah. i so i read a lot of those i'm right now i'm depending on the mood i'm in i'm alternating between um uh the devil rides out by dennis wheatley and mm. uh, the the king of elfland's daughter um, by oh, wow. uh, Dunstany, so it, oh, that, wow. it's just what which mood I'm in that day. Right, right. Definitely. Yeah, I find mood. myself doing that too, like jumping from book to book. I don't know if it's like late onset ADD, but <laughs> like I'm reading. I mean, I'm reading. I'm still, and some books I guess get stalled in. Um, mm-hmm. Like I've been stalled in Ringworld Throne forever because it's just not appealing to me. And I really enjoyed Ringworld and Ringworld Engineers, but this one is like. Not enough to me. It's not enough of the yeah. principal characters and too much of the the humans on Ringworld. The, but then the, I jump. I know I jump to like Cowtown. Or sorry, the book I'm reading is called. What's it called? It's not Cowtown. Um, there's a book I'm reading on like a, the the assault. Uh, one of the assaults on D-Day. Uh, so okay. it's called Hitler's Guns, and it's the Ranger assault on the uh, Pont du Hoc guns on D-Day. And then I jump to. Um, Cowboy Kingdom, which is like the history of, of uh, cattle industry in the West, which is actually more fascinating than it might sound. But <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I do jump back and forth, right? Because you're right, whatever hits your mood, and sometimes you mm. get hung up. And of course, and then we there's always so no one. I don't. I asked a friend of mine, does it count when I read a game book for my Goodreads? He said for sure because he sees the game books and up how big and thick they are, right? So I guess that counts yeah. as reading. So read a lot of that, right? So just call it research. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, when, cool. when you have a little company like me and you make, you know, a very meager amount of money every year, you know, you tally up all those zines and they suddenly become a business expense. And, uh, and then oh, your nice. business has made $0 that year. Uh, <laughs> you can, yeah, you could write that off, I guess. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, definitely your projects are really intriguing. Of course, I'm, I'm very intrigued by the weird, uh, weird frontier stuff and and the and the zines and um, so, so yeah, so uh, it seems like Dragon Peak and uh, what you're creating is going to be very diverse, kind of focused on DCC, but you want to branch out from that, or I mean, everyone's yeah. big thing is trying to get into, you know, that other game. <laughs> the 5e game we'll say no i i think if i did a 5e thing i would uh wait until i probably have another like i probably published like five different dcc fantasy style adventures mm. something that's un- like where okay i've got enough to like turn into like a maybe a small but a some kind of thin hardcover book for 5e and i'll also do some kind of expansion compilation thing for for DCC is what well, I don't know. I I've played a lot of Five E, but I, I haven't touched it in almost three years now. Oh wow! Yeah. So what do you um, any games that you say you're going to try like four games at this 
at something coming up recently. So any yeah, recommendations um, for really cool games that aren't DCC or D&D based or that you might have played recently? Uh, the, I mean, my favorite thing that's not a, a DCC based thing is Call of Cthulhu. Um, mm-hmm. Just because you get a whole different type of story in there. Um, I, I like investigative games and horror games too. Um, Do you think Call of Cthulhu still maintains like the horror vibe? I mean, you see Call of Cthulhu plushies all over the place, Call of Cthulhu for yeah. pressing buttons. I mean, is it overdone or you think there's still some meat and bu- I, you know, viability, sustainability, I guess? You see. I, I sure think so. I think as far as like doing pure horror goes, I think um, Delta Green is probably better just because you have the modern day aspect. So you don't have to pretend like we're all we're all pretending to be something but now we have to pretend a little bit less and it hits closer to home because it's right day, you know yeah, i like stitching uh, box and stuff for that same reason it's like modern there's a lot of their stuff is like modern horror and very adult themes and it's it's some it's, it's it takes a particular type of audience but then it is more i guess realistic um as opposed to we're pretending to be a flapper in the you know or a yeah. a gangsta in the in the 20s right so yeah it's whenever half of my game time is spent with me being like ah come here buddy here have a take a swig of this flask uh or you know when i'm doing that uh and a deep one gets me and uh i'm i automatically feel like making it a little bit funnier than it it's probably supposed to be (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah well you know sometimes a levity is helpful (laughs) But yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah. So I think, uh, I don't know. I don't have any other questions, uh, Stefan, but if you have anything else you want to add or a plug or definitely how, uh, how can we reach you? Um, I know that uh, I just found out that Dragon Peak Publishing, or I found out uh, a few days ago that Dragon Peak Publishing does have a newsletter. So I signed up for your newsletter. We can yeah. do that. But how do we contact you? Um, and what do you got? What's your, what are the, your famous last words in the podcast? <laughs> Not for you. <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've got the website, dragonpeapublishing.com. Um, and yeah, you can sign up for a newsletter on there. It's pretty infrequent, but um, a lot of people signed up from the most recent Kickstarter. So I should uh, it's probably cool, be yeah. good about it not being so, in, like, of, of it being more frequent. I should probably mm-hmm. get better about that. Um, but you can also uh, contact me at, Dragon Peak Publishing at gmail.com or on Twitter, I'm DM Bad Wrong Fun. Oh, um, oh, that's who, oh, that's who you are. Okay. Oh, I was wondering who that was. <laughs> See me posting stupid things. No, uh, I, no, I, I try to keep it uh, pretty. I, I probably, I don't follow people if they post too much political stuff just because, yeah, like, yeah. I'm not here for that. I can't. There's a fine line I ride between being aware of all the things that are trying to kill me and being depressed by them in this world. Um, so I, I try to keep it pretty much just about games. Yeah, cool. All um, right. Any anything you uh, want to say to our listeners before we sign off? Um, if if you like TCC, um, come in and you know game with me. Uh, you can find me on on Twitter uh, and uh, I'm. Also on the Dungeon Crawlers Discord, uh, which it's a it's a public server. Y'all can find it real easy. 
if you go search on Discord, Dungeon Crawlers, all one word. Um, play a lot of games over there, and uh, that's where I often enough am doing play tests. So I got. Oh, cool! Uh, that sounds great. Yeah. So uh, the current ones are all signed up, but uh, I, I at least give them weird names like uh, the Big Trouble for a Little Blood for Weird Frontiers, and a couple weeks after that, I'm gonna try out a, a Mutant Crawl Classics adventure that I've got a pretty pretty strong outline and a lot of notes for that is a combination between a very very loose combination of uh charlie and the chocolate factory wizard of oz and the song big rock candy mountain and i'm calling that one the technomancer of candy mountain so it's gonna be <laughs> weird yeah sounds <laughs> sounds fun though it does sound fun so yeah i guess that, that did inspire me to ask one more question and that mm-hmm. is so from playtest to publication, about how long did it take you? And you uh, think it's going to get shorter or does it, is that a consideration? Does it matter? I mean, uh, it, it is a consideration. Like I've got, I've got two things right now that are probably like a couple more play tests and, and a, you know, and an actual hired editor away from being like publication ready. But then there's also getting art and layout and whatnot. And, but I also have to consider all of that investment, which the art is the biggest part, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to get that to people in a way that I at very least am not losing money. So it's due. So uh, one of the things I'm working on is like a few giants themed adventures, kind of as a homage to the you know, classic G1, the three. Yep. But it's I'm not just trying to retread old stuff. I'm not even doing the same giants. I just kind of want to do three different giants adventures and package them together. But it's, you know, just from a business standpoint, it probably makes more sense to wait until they're all three done than to do them one at a time and to do one Kickstarter and fulfill one thing instead of trying to do that three times because that is three times as much work. So um, the playtest of publication is... I don't know, playtest to being ready for publication. I can see that. I don't know if I can see that getting shorter because that is just how busy is my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, and, and as, uh, as many things in this hobby, there's not one answer. It's just, there's the answer that works best for you. Hmm. Well, cool. Well, great stuff. Thanks for coming on, Stefan. And, um, Hoping to see more and more of your products and uh, get to run them for people. Definitely, you know, MCC, DCC, Weird Frontiers are all games that are, you know, that I got loaded in my six shooter. <laughs> so, um, so we'll definitely run those a lot, you know, um, with, some, with a lot of my friends here, here that listen to the Geomologist Presents. So thanks again and uh, can't wait to see your, your next products. Sounds good. Thank you for having me on.